4: Hello and welcome to Brian Moore's Full Contact with The Telegraph. Well, we're past halfway in the 2026 Nations. Only one team remains in line for a Grand Slam, and who would have thought it, but it's France. And of course, England, who put Ireland to sword at the Twickham. still have a shout at the title. Going to be interesting. Eddie Jones said his side could have declared at half-time. I think it's a bit harsh, actually. But they were dominant. Meanwhile, Andy Farrell, the head coach of Ireland, admitted he needed to share most of the blame for a sloppy first half from his side. I'm not sure about that. But we'll discuss all that. We'll assess where England are going with the match against Wales in round four. And we'll also get the thoughts from the former Ireland hooker Shane Byrne on what needs to change for the Irish when they take on Italy. I imagine quite a lot. Quite a lot of the team will go. Um, Next up, obviously, England have their old rivals Wales, who were beaten by a Sean Edwards-inspired France. They picked up their first winning card for 10 years, can you believe that? It's now back to back defeats for Wayne Pivak, and we'll get the thoughts of the former Ospreys head coach Sean Holly on whether it will be three in a row when the Welsh head to Twickenham in two weeks' time. Plus, we'll be rounding up all the rest of the action, including Scotland's first win in the tournament, and we'll be answering all your questions too. You would like to say that once again, alongside me is the former England centre, to Tom May. Hello, Tom, you're you're uh, about to sh- shortly depart on a long run, aren't you?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm. In a week's time, I am going to run 150 miles around London for the Teenage Cancer Trust and the Doddy Weir Foundation. Uh, it's uh, six marathons in six days, and given I've not run one yet, it's uh, quite some undertaking.
4: Uh, how can people support you?
1: Uh, so there's a there's a, um, a Virgin Money giving page, uh, which is forward slash Tom May 150 once you go on to Virgin Money Giving. Um, I set myself a target of 10 grand. I'm, I'm nearly at 13. I'm um, hoping to get to 20 by the time oh, I finish job, it. So, uh,
4: and I think there will be a link in these show notes as well for thank you very those much. of you who want to help. Well, uh, look. England 24, Ireland 12. Always a case. Ireland was so poor in the first half. Uh, it's difficult to see beyond that, but you do have to say, England was sharp throughout, weren't they? They were sharp. And, and, and you know, the, the individual
1: performances, that I thought, were, were fantastic. Um, but that collective desire and their intensity in their defence, I think, really set the tone. Um, and it continued through the game, didn't well, it?
4: Th- th- that was an impressive thing. The line speed was r- they're evident right to the 80th minute. They were still trying to pile people down behind the game line, weren't they? Uh,
1: and some of the stats around the dominant tackles were... Were sort of off the charts, you know. Some of the tackles they were making. Everyone was was putting Irish attackers on their backside and driving them backwards. Um, you know, the, there was almost an element of of ridding themselves of the frustrations of the of the previous yeah. couple of games. Um, clearly, the the weather affected game in Edinburgh. Let's just you know you write that one off. I think in terms of a, of a performance because you can't. We well, couldn't di- take anything no, you out. can't of take that. anything out of it. Um, but I think now they'll be looking back at that first game. You know, there's a real, real disappointment that they didn't get more from. Well, it.
4: I wrote this in, in my today's Telegraph article, and I said it may well be that England just started slowly, and that may well cost them the the, the, the title,
0: unfortunately,
4: yeah. because France, you know, still have everything in their own hands, uh, and it would be just one half of rugby. But that's this is why the Six Nations is difficult to win. You know, Grand Slams is typical to win back-to-back Grand Slams because you, you only need 20-odd minutes to go wrong, and that's it.
1: Well, I think also, last time I was in, we, we were both saying, you know, given it's the first one after a World Cup, there are so many changes that go go through um, through the different teams, there's periods of evolution, that actually, that's the difference, and it's, it's turning out exactly that way.
4: Well, there were a lot of players out of position again, Joseph on the wing, Curry at eight, and Laws at six, and they all had good games, uh, I'm sorry. I still remain to be convinced that the, the 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 thing is you you could never tell what they would have been like had they been playing in their ordinary positions with other people in their usual positions as subs. So, in a in a way, it's a moot point. But um, do you think it proves Jones has got wrong, or, or do you still have reservations? Uh-uh.
1: I'm slightly reserved about the, the non-eight in an eight. Yep. Um, I, I think that that sort of remains to be seen. I think we, we're sort of getting away with it at the moment, but I think at the very top level, you know, if, if we faced New Zealand in November with a with Tom Curry at eight, we'd become unstuck. Um, I think the fact that England brought in Courtney Laws added physicality, and that's obviously why why Eddie Jones. And again, did that. they had a
4: six-six-two bench.
1: Yeah, they went went six-two. Um, I think England are a very different team when they have. None of the nolapolos no and no Manu Tulangi they 've got no big carriers there
4: Tulangi again he, thank goodness he came through the game and you know he, he was substituted but he wasn't injured what just what do you 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 you've played the same position what does he bring i've played against
1: him and it was the most torrid torrid <laughs> well I've played against him several times, but especially in that thirteen channel um okay you know slightly different when he when he's in at twelve sometimes um But in that 13 channel, which is very difficult to defend, I I built myself up for five days of just, right, I have to stop this guy. So you get up quickly, you get in his face. Um, Made eight tackles. And I thought, oh, I'm I'm doing pretty well here. Look, the old fellow was getting in the way of of the man mounting. Ninth tackle... I sort of got got a bit of a fend and it sort of fell off. 10th tackle just straight over the top of me. 11th around me and scored and then Jim Mallander held the board up. So <laughs> it's um it's one of those things where it, he just is relentless. And I was chatting to Tom Youngs about it yesterday but um before the Ireland game. I said what what's it like to play with him? Because actually, you know, basically you can just give him the ball and he's going to threaten someone. Yeah. He can he can do you on the outside he can run straight at you and over the top of you or he can he can be a perfect decoy yeah. um and i think that's he's evolved his game a bit like maronu did um for the all blacks he's he's got a lot more to his game now than he did a few years back and i think he's a massive asset for england
4: wales well, are up next what um what do you reckon jones will do i mean it's another home game no real reason for substantial change but I suppose it depends who comes available, who's on the the injured list, and who's not. Yeah, I think now
1: now that England have got a bit of wind in their sails, I I think he'll probably stick with vastly the, uh, the same team. Um, you think you'll
4: stick with, stick with six two? On I think
1: I think he might do. I think he might do. Probably because everyone's going Willy, he? he just want, he wants yeah. to do it just to you know he uh, he seems to sort of quite quite like creating those different
4: headlines. I suppose one of the things with England's backs, but given the the, the selection pause had, you know, I mean, Daly can play in three positions anyway. Joseph can. Joseph can. So, you, you, you've you got a lot of cover, haven't you? You've yeah. Especially, you know, ten and well, even ten you could change now, currently because Farrell's there. Uh, yeah. S- so you need a scrum half and, and another
1: utility. Yeah, and you know, Slade's played fullback. Yeah. He's played ten. He's played He's yeah. th- played in the centre. I, I I think I, I think he's actually played on the wing for Exeter. Um. So you know you've got get. And that's, that's the best thing I think about England's backline is they've got experience of playing in different positions. Mm-hmm. And when you have that experience, your are understanding about what the player inside and outside needs is, is you know, a, a completely different from someone that's just played one. Yes. Um, and I think that's, that's, a, that's a real credit to those players, but it's a real, um, it's a real tool that, that Eddie Jones can use.
4: Well, we were talking earlier on uh, about the uh, England-Ireland game. Why don't we get an Irish uh, perspective? Uh, someone who has uh, pulled on the green shirt a lot, to regular guest on the show. It's Shane Byrne, the former Ireland hooker. Hello, Shane. How are we doing, man? All right, mate. Look, uh, very disappointing from Ireland, but this was a point I, I've been making time and again. It wasn't just the execution. When you, Look, people can play badly, get kicks wrong, but I didn't understand quite a lot of things Ireland were trying to do or not do. What did you make of the performance tactically?
3: Well, Tactically, you know, or tactically, should I say, the, the, the first thing that they got wrong was it was very obvious what England were going to come out to do. It's a very successful plan that they've used and it's just be ultra-physical um, and they should have known that, that was coming. They should have been able to match that at the very, very start and I thought that their execution then started to go off. Now, unfortunately, a lot of it revolves around uh, Johnny Sexton and uh, his execution of the plan. But I just thought that once England got in among the team, that when there was no one to gather the team to go, look, we need to get A's and B done here very, very basically, very, very specifically. And it just, the game started to slip, errors started to creep in. And, you know, once that starts to happen, added to a very aggressive defence, you know, you're at nothing.
4: Yeah, I because I, I couldn't understand things like this. Ireland didn't compete on the first four lineouts. I mean, mm. well, I, I don't understand why why <laughs> why that is. I, I can't explain that. I can't explain why uh, can you... They, dri- they drive their own line-out ball when they're going for scores and they throw it to the front so it's easy to use the touchline as a defensive, uh, you know, player. Um... The, the deep ball to Bundiaki wasn't working. They did that three times. I, mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I simply, if I'd have been an Ireland fan, I'd have been bemused. And, and while, whilst Farrell is saying, you know, I take a lot of responsibility, what about the role of the on-field leaders? Because they've got a lot of experience out there.
3: No, but see, that's the key. It's the on-field leaders where that sits at. It probably sits far less. You, you could say that Farrell... You know, for some reason, they weren't mentally prepared. Because the the most important moments in that game were the first five ten minutes. The collisions all involved in around then, because England needed to and desperately needed to make a statement very very early in that game. They needed it for themselves because the Six Nations had been poor to that point, and Ireland should have known that that's what they needed to be ready for. Now, whether Farrell executed that correctly or not we don't know but definitely on the park the decisions that were being made were poor even though what you're saying there you know starting them all from the front of the line out that wouldn't have been executed as part of a plan that would have been just a call made on the pitch at that time yeah, I think Ireland would have found it difficult part of the plan would definitely have been uh, to get the ball a lot wider and they could. So that's where the Bunyaki situation came in because they weren't getting any success at getting the ball out wide. So they were just going for straight-up runners. And, you know, it was just absolute meat to the the slaughter there. It really was because uh, once England were prepared to keep that aggressive defence going, Ireland were at nothing. And there was no sign whatsoever of anyone changing what was going on and grabbing the game by the scruff of the neck.
1: Shane, there was a lot of, uh, I guess, comment made about Sexton after the game, but one area that Mm. that, uh, selection has been questioned even prior to this tournament was was in and around nine and Connor Murray. Now, Mm. does this Italy game coming up next, does that give Farrell the perfect opportunity to, to, I guess, make those changes, albeit hidden under the guise of, oh, we're coming up against Italy, we know we're going to get a result, Um, but now we can give an opportunity to the likes of John Cooney.
3: Yeah, no doubt. Cooney has to start. There, there, there's several players who you would like to see starting now, and I think the difference should be, and we go through them. But the difference should be, I don't think Farrell should pretend that this is just as would have happened anyway. Rotating the squad going into the Italian game, and then getting everyone back for the French game. I think he's got to make a statement that these aren't, this isn't rotation. This is form players getting picked to start, and if they play well, they will be playing against France. Doris uh, Kelleher at Hooker, and uh, you could also move the back three. I think Stockdale has been very, very poor, particularly you know in Eric for that try and plenty of other things. Unfortunately, I think you could um, you know there's Addison at full back even, or as you could just bring Earls in and put Larm. You know there's loads of changes that can be made, but I think that the the key to it is is the message that Farrell gives across here is that it's not just rotating the squad because it's Italy we're playing. This is singular that it's because of what happening in England that changes need to be made.
4: Why do you think he needs to do that in particular, Shim? Why not just do it in a clandestine way? Why, why do you think the statement needs to be made?
3: Because the, the ripple effect. You know as well as anyone is that um, safety in decisions that if somebody... Is making an excuse for why you're not getting picked. Well, then you've kind of bit of safety in that. I think that half the problem is is that it was the top two inches with the Irish team that were incorrect, and that you know they need to refocus. And like you know, maybe a bit of for regular starters, a bit of bench time, or even not in the squad might refocus. them. listen, there's no doubt these players are still fantastic players. You know, these guys still have a huge amount of rugby to give. But there is a young bunch coming up of players who are in superb form. And for very different reasons, they haven't got a start. And I think they need to have a start now. And if they, get, if they play well, if they grab the opportunity as it comes, they should stay there.
4: Well, I mean, they have the, the, the saying, don't they? You know, form is temporary, class is permanent. But, but class is no good if you're not on form. So we, yeah. so we, we, we will see. Uh, it's great to speak to you, Shane.
0: Thanks very much, mate. Take care, guys. Hello. Sorry to interrupt your podcast. I just wanted to take a quick moment to tell you about another programme from The Telegraph. I'm Ben Riley-Smith, The Daily Telegraph's US editor, and I've spent the last year exploring the scandal over links between Donald Trump and Russia for my new podcast, Crossfire. What I found was an extraordinary untold story that kept coming back to Britain big gorilla in the room was, would Trump want
1: to meet Putin? Would Putin then meet Trump?
3: And he said, uh, and in any case, the Russians might use some material that they have on the
0: This is dangerous. This is really dangerous. I've been tracking down those directly involved, from Washington to Cambridge to Belgravia, to try and find out what really happened and what it can tell us about this year's election. So we're looking at the backdrop of Russia. We're looking at what they might be trying to do for our elections. Over six episodes, I will unpack it all, chunk by chunk, through the voices of those with direct knowledge. Most people didn't even want to talk to me. I'm a guy getting death threats. I'm a guy whose life has been totally turned upside down.
3: I will tell you this, whoever it was, I hope they get punished for it.
0: That's in Crossfire, available now wherever you downloaded this podcast.
4: Tom, the, the only unbeaten side, the only unbeaten side, who would have thought it? Well, actually, on an outside bet, France, but that's their first win in Cardiff in 10 years. And they were under the cost in the second half. And I was particularly impressed by the way a pair of young, relatively inexperienced halfbacks kept them in the game you know, in terms of territory and so on and did, did what they could with... With, with not very much ball and, and not very good ball.
1: Look, this is a French team that... Well, this isn't the French team. France have only finished in the top half of the tournament, I think once since 2010. And this is a side now that looks completely revolutionised. These guys... Are, are, I was out at the under-21s or the under-20s tournament, as it is, as it is now, uh, over the past couple of seasons. These guys have been coming through. And when we were out there commentating on those games, all of the guys were, that we were looking at the French team... This lot are going to come through and cause the Six Nations and World Rugby some trouble. Looking forward to the to the next World
4: Cup. I mean, quite often the the translation between the two is you know is very difficult, but but. Are you re- are you saying it was it re- was that apparent?
1: Yeah, I mean they took teams to the cleaners with their physicality. The likes of Demba Bamba, who's had to go and learn his trade in, in Pro d now he's playing um, back in one of the best best teams in French League rugby, um, and they're young players that are actually, to be fair, they're being given a consistent opportunity now at nine and ten, especially over the years france have chopped and changed <laughs> and it's been an absolute nightmare and it, you know
4: it, it well, it's must... not even the selection of nine at 10 it's a, whether you've played a nine at 10 well,
1: 10 at nine i mean <laughs> there you... is that there is that <laughs> um, but i but i think uh, look at Bouthier at, at fullback for for a perfect example that is a guy that has come through as a perfect um, plan out of development he's played in prodi He's come up through the ranks, and now he's playing at Montpellier. He's been he's been picked. he's studied for them, and now he's you know he's tearing up on an international stage. He's um, got a hell of a boot on him, hasn't he? Yeah, oh, I mean, oh, oh. my my moment of the Six Nations still has to be that spiral against ninety five <laughs> meter kick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and I I just think when. We all know what it's like to go over to, to a French club side within European rugby and the same on the international level. When the French get the wind in the sails and the fans get behind them, which I don't think they've been behind them for the past few years, they're very, very difficult to stop. And you can almost feel a wave inside the stadium that you're playing in that this is going to be an absolute nightmare to try and turn turn into a win from an opposition's perspective.
4: Well, Rob Vickerman told us in the studio a few weeks ago that he'd pick France... Uh, for their home World Cup in 2023. Now, that's a bit precipitous given there's four years to go, but um, do you think uh, this 23 coming up might be a chance for several of the uh, Northern Hemisphere sides to to stake better claims this time?
1: I I think so. Look, how France lost that in the World Cup just gone in Japan, only they know. Um, And I think... I think, should they have gone through that, then who knows what would have happened. But I think in typical French mentality, because it's at home, they'll, just, they'll all be all over it, won't they? They'll, they'll be so desperate to put on a good home performance um, in, their, in their own tournament. And I, and I think they'll be in with a fantastic opportunity to do that. With, with more and more experience that's come through from the, from the young fellas, they would have developed even more. Um, I think it's going to be exciting, especially if you're a French fan.
4: Well, France uh, are looking the real deal. We've still got two rounds to go, but it's two losses in a row for Wayne Pivac, and next a tricky trip up to Twickenham. Uh, why don't we speak about that to uh, our guest, uh, former head coach of the Ospreys and regular contributor Sean Hawley, on the line. Hello, Sean.
2: Hello, Brian. Tom, how's it going?
4: Not too bad, mate. Look, um, what's the feeling about uh, about the Welsh at the moment? In in the public Because it's two losses in a row give have on a trip to Twickenham But you know They've achieved a lot So what's the balance like of, of, of public mood?
2: I think by It's about 50-50 I think we've got The more discerning Rugby punter Who's Aware that we're going through A bit of a change A new coaching team Trying a few uh, New players A um, couple of injuries And then you've got Those diehards Who just want to see Wales win And uh, to lose at home You know We had not lost to France In eight years and um, to lose two in a row, they're raising some questions already. But I think the general feel, I think, is that, you know, Wayne Pivak and his men need a little bit of time to bed in, and they're trying a slightly different style, a new defensive system, and it's going to take a little bit of time.
4: Well, Alan Wing jones uh, refused to make, or refused to accept the excuse that they were trying to bed it in. He was saying, you know, fine about new styles and so on, but we've got to start winning again. But what, uh, what about the, I mean, one of the areas Wales have had such strength for such a long time, and it's now looking at slightly uh, questionable, is the long-term options at Scrum half uh, Thomas Williams, Gareth Davies had a go, Reese Webb, probably now available for selection again. What, what, what's likely to happen there, do you think?
2: I think uh, we're going to see the emergence of Thomas Williams a little bit more right, to be honest. I think Gareth Davies was given a bit of a shot against France, Reese Webb is struggling with the fact that he's not able to play any club rugby at the moment, so he's shorn of, of any sort of game time. But Thomas Williams is seen as somebody who is definitely one for the future and has played pretty well in a in a Welsh shirt so far. So I know I think we'll see Thomas Williams play against England, um, possibly against Scotland. We we'll maybe see Reese Webb get a bit of a run in the last game, but you know, we've got some some real good young talent in Wales as well, in around that. Look out for Young Harry Morgan, who was within the twenties last summer, he's one of the Ospreys that will come through injured at the moment. But we've always got good backs and uh, but Thomas Williams is the next one off the ramp.
1: Sean, from a coaching perspective, there's a couple of teams, or there's more than a couple of teams in this tournament that are really trying to evolve their style of play. Tell us what it's like as a coach. Do you do you know how long it's going to take to to get that team from point A to point B, and and how much sort of leeway do you give? your team when you're trying to go through that process
2: oh hi Tom it's a a tough question that one Um, I think the problem Wayne's got is we saw the most experienced Six Nations team ever grace the field at the stadium on Saturday and when you're trying to evolve and make slight changes and you've got guys in the squad with so many caps that are used to a certain way of playing attacking and defending that has been really successful under Warren Gatland and Sean Edwards in particular then You know, they may raise a few eyebrows in the early stages if it's not working. But I think as a coach, as you asked, you've got to stick by your guns and your philosophy and evolve your game. And Wales have, in the last 10 years, got to a point where they've been really successful. But to a point, you know, we're still not beating New Zealand. We're still not beating England regularly, you know, as we saw now on the weekend, France. So I think it's got to be a case of sticking to your philosophy and evolving players through the system they're eventually going to play the style of rugby that you want to. A big concern at the moment is that we're conceding points quite cheaply and we gifted France you know, a lot of their points as well as France played. If you look at the stats, Wales won all the statistical battles in all aspects of the game, apart from the scoreboard. and That's going to be a real concern for Wayne Pivak in the short term.
4: One of the things that I've always felt, if you, you, know, you have a selection which you do at the back with Lee Halfpenny, you know, brilliant, he's got a brilliant uh, uh, aerial capability, great goal kicker, but nowhere near the threat of someone like Liam Williams to, to, to open you up. And given, the, given the, the role that fullbacks now have to play, I just wonder uh, if you felt that, that there might be room for change there.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think Liam Williams, right, had he been fit, would have played... Um, and it was a big aspect of the game on the weekend. Wales kicked the ball a lot. In fact, there were there were 79 kicks in the game and France kicked 40 of them. But Wales persisted with kicking from their own sort of half and long down the field. And France were waiting for them. Three, four, five players. Gregory Aldrete had a field day in the backfield. They ran it back. Wales got narrow. And that's where France really got some metres in the wider channel. So I totally agree with you. There were opportunities to counter-attack. But for some reason... The, the kicking game was very, very evident on the weekend. But with Liam Williams, and even the likes of Johnny McNichol, who can play 15, you know, there you have a much more counter-attacking option. And I think we see a slightly different Wales then.
4: Sean, just finally, when it comes to, uh, to the challenge at Twickenham, England have only lost seven games out of the last 51 um, in the Six Nations at Twickenham. And that's how difficult a challenge it is. What in particular do you think Wales have to do to register a win?
2: Well, that's a million dollar question. Uh, You know, it's not a great time to go to Twickenham for back of two defeats, and conversely, you know, I think England has sort of got their mojo back. I I always feel with England, if they just stick to what they're good at, bringing their big forwards into play, a little bit of interplay between forward and far, and threatening around the ruck, using their scrum and their maul, then more sides are going to really struggle, and that's really the recipe to beat Wales again. As far as Wales are concerned, they need to get their spacings right in defence, come off the line and, and and make those big tackles on your crews. I told you, so Courtney Laws was brilliant on the weekend. They have to stop those on the game and starve them of of any sort of go-forward. Because once England get into the 22, they're very, very clinical, one way or another. So that's what they have to do. And they have to take the game for the last 10, 15 minutes within a score, because that's when maybe England get a bit vulnerable a bit twitchy and the crowd gets a bit twitchy and that's where wheels have been successful in the past it's taken it right to the death but it's easier said than done isn't it so um you know that that, that'll be the recipe and that's what they'll work on but they're a long way from that at the moment i think
4: well sean we will we will see um but but, mate it's always great to speak to you and thank you very much
2: great see you in a couple of weeks right
4: thanks mate Scotland first winning the competition in what was a very forget... In fact, I've forgotten it. <laughs> <laughs> very, very forgettable game. This brings up another point uh, which is intertwined with the questions. There's one from Graham Frad. How do you solve a problem like Azuri? They haven't registered a point in two of the games. They haven't won a Six Nations game in five years. I don't- he said, I don't believe they've registered a championship point since the bonus system came in now. You know, I like you've got to. I don't. I just say, feel sorry for them. The problem is, everyone else is developing and spending money as well. I think uh, the problem is, however much affection you have for the Italian, the Italian way of life, food, Rome, and, and all these things, at some point you've got to be hard headed about this. And uh, given the fact that I firmly believe that autumn, there should be an automatic qualification into the Six Nations in some respect, in some way. The case is getting less and less easy to make for them. What do you think will happen with them?
1: I think eventually you're right. There will be, a, there will be an entry point for, for one of the other teams to say, right, this is your, this is your game, whether it's a playoff uh, or whether it's straight up and down um, relegation and promotion from the tier down. I think, I think it's 25 games now that they, they haven't won a game. Um, and they look further and further from winning a game in this competition. I, they are evolving but they're not evolving at anywhere near the rate that these other teams are, are moving their their abilities within the game on. I think, you know, that how you prepare when you're in a... Well, I know I, I was at London Welsh yeah. and we got smashed every week and it was a bit like, you're trying to get up for a game and trying to, you know, make t- players believe that you can win when actually, in the back of your mind, you know you've got no chance. Mm. Um, so... Ha- <laughs> There's only so much pride you can rely on. There's only so much of, you know, drum banging that you can do to try and get Back a the
4: wall speeches work twice, don't they? Yeah,
1: and then it's like, oh, no, I thought you were sure you said that a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, so, uh, look, I, I think it's... They are getting better if you look at them and separate them from the other teams in the competition, but they are nowhere near capable enough at the moment.
4: And Scotland... Um, well, it was a win, but it wasn't that convincing, was it, really?
1: Well they blew so many chances. Yeah. You know, the 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 mistakes that they made, whether it be individually or collectively. I think Hastings, if he wants to step up and be a number one ten and kick goals, you gotta hit you gotta to hit top top rank on your on your goal kicking and he was he was off there. Um, good to see Stuart Hogg, I think, make that hogg esque break from fifty metres out and score the try. He's come in for some pretty unfair flack i think over the past couple of weeks um you know and I, I hamish watson is one of the best players in the tournament i think you know for, for his his stature he punches way above his weight he, he does very very effective contributions all around the field in every aspect of the of the of the game um, and i think it, that's probably a bonus for for scotland he was he was a positive from from that
4: perspective We seem to be back, unfortunately, for Scottish fans in the same position we were uh, several years ago and for many decades prior to that, where Scotland can win ball, they can get it going forward, just like the cutting edge. And I thought at one point, say, maybe a couple of years ago, they were getting to a point where they actually had enough attacking options to make that no longer true and that they could uh, translate the chances that came their way. But it looks to me at the moment as though they've gone backwards in that respect.
1: Yeah, they have. They have. They do create opportunities, and they have the players to be able to to, to put themselves in the right positions to make scores. I think if you look at the centres that they've got in Hugh Jones, Sam Johnson, Chris Harris, that they have been the focus of Gregor Townsend's attention. There's one player there who came on at the weekend in Rory Hutchinson that I think should be given a prolonged stay in that team. If you look at the way he's performed for Northampton over over the past couple of seasons, he's got something different. Um, He has an ability to make something out of nothing. And that's what they need to create more and more often. So they can actually, if if you're not going to put one of these away, then you might get another opportunity further in the game with a player like that. Um, So all of those teams are trying to up the rate that they um, are are, are precise in and around their execution of the opportunities they're presented with. And, And Scotland at the moment that they don't tick those boxes.
4: Well, why don't we go to some of the questions here. One for Paul Southern. Clear outs at Rooks. They've got to be penalised before someone gets seriously injured. Um, The same as high tackles, but actually the consequences can be far worse. Fully agree. Uh, I mean, I saw several at the weekend against Ireland. James Ryan. Ryan and tona One on Atoji's knee, which was a purposeful one. And I'm amazed I didn't even look at them. We haven't even talked about... The potential penalty try with Tom May—that was—it was—it it wasn't that he hadn't taken off. It wasn't even the picture when he kicked it. Yeah, you know. And I—why? Like, d- can you explain why they have a prolonged investigation into two guys wrestling and taking each other's shirts off <laughs> at the, the book at the bottom of the of bottom of the wall. And then you've got a penalty try opportunity, and they never even review it. I
1: know. I, th- that was that was ridiculous. I, th- I think they should definitely have gone back for that. Um, I wonder if they'll be citing be repercussions. We don't know. Um, but when you're off your feet and you're in a vulnerable position, to have someone like that, that, let's not forget, these lads are they're powerful and they're big. 18 still. And if you've got that hitting you with a bit of intent, because all of those were with intent, um, you know, I, think, I think testament to Tom Curry just got back on his feet after having been steamrolled yeah. uh, by James Ryan. I, I fully agree with Paul.
4: One from the great Mike Colson. I don't know if you know Mike. He's a, a brilliant NFL American sports guru. Soon after Genge came on, he drew an Irish penalty by standing up and driving to his right. A few minutes later, he did the same thing. He was penalised. Can any living human being explain the difference? <laughs> well, Mike, it's like this. The reason why Genge was going to his right was the Irish tighthead who came on the reserve changed his bind and he got onto his shoulder, which he's not supposed to do. And on the first one, he twisted him in, which is why he went right. And the second... It was the other way around, Mike, actually. He got a penalty against him first for being dragged in right. And the second time, what he did, when he realised he was being dragged in right, he simply rammed the shoulder up of, the, of, of his opposite number. And that's when the shoulder shot out, and that's when they got the penalty. So they're both illegal. It was just on the first one. He didn't take the option on the second one. Look, Mike, the thing is this. No living human being can explain how referees referee the scrum, because none of them have got any experience. (laughs) And they just guess. It's as simple as that, Mike. They just guess. Last question from Still Here. I don't think that's his real name. Uh, If it is, it's a very, very strange adopted name. Uh, Sexton, time for Ireland to move on. Not that he's a finished player, but maybe he's holding back good younger players from the national team.
1: Listen, I I think... Johnny Sexton has had a tough few weeks. Um, there's obviously added responsibility in his role as captain and some are saying maybe that, that, that responsibility is affecting his performances. But I, I think there comes a point, and I, I I don't think Joey Carberry's fit at the moment, is he?
4: Well, no, he's not. No, he's not. And
1: I, th- I think uh, Andy Farrell would seriously be looking at maybe having a change in and around 10 um, if he was fit because I think he's an outstanding player that can... A-
4: he, he seems to have chronic problems, though. Unfortunately, Carberry. He he does. You know, his yeah, keeps breaking down. So, uh, yeah, difficult, isn't it? I, I think. Look, I think it's very difficult to say
1: Johnny Sexton's over the hill and out out the door. Yeah. But um, you know, over the past past few weeks, certainly nine and ten need to be uh, looking over their shoulders somewhat.
4: Tom, what about the general level of chat in this Six Nations? I'm getting sick of it. Every player is moaning about every decision. They've not got the right to do that. Even the captains haven't got the right to do that. And I understand referees wanting to have a relationship with players without that. But at the end, they're in charge. I
1: fully agree. Dan Bigger at the weekend was...
4: Well, not just Bigger. Un- Farrell. No. Yeah, Farrell, yeah. Farrell, his comment after he held on to standard yeah. was, that's a ridiculous decision. Now, uh, why didn't the referee just... Are you, if I'd have been referee, I'd have been a card. Yeah, or, this is, does not set a good example. Well,
1: there's only one way to stamp it out, isn't there? Next time someone does it, show them a card. Then, yep. uh, then let's see how many people. Yep. Um, you know, I, I think there's a there's a lot of flack aimed at aimed at all of the you know, TMOs, the assistant referees. Look at look at Wales with the deliberate or, or not deliberate slap down the, from from Willemser. You know, it's difficult. Now, one of the things that isn't difficult is just flat out petulance. You know, don't, don't speak to the referee like that. That's one of the things that we... That well, we're we talking
4: about Mike Carlson. In the NFL, they don't do that in the NFL. And you're talking about a professional game with huge players and huge uh, money at stake. And, you know, just as much pride, just as much, you know, physical intensity, they don't do it because they know they can't get away with it and they won't. What are the repercussions in the NFL if they... Well, they just throw them out of the game. Right. Or all the, all the, all the, all they give uh, unsporting conduct 15 yards forward. So it's just try, Same yeah. like zero you and know, marching people ten. Well, and if it da- only need a couple of ten meters, yeah. I just it, its beyond me. Referees then talk about the difficulty of this, that, and the other. Players will get away with anything they can. They'll manipulate referees in any way they can, and referees have to understand this.
1: Well, if you stand up to it and you act, act upon it. Be the same in football, but no one ever wants to no. do it. That's another story. But yeah. you know, I, th- I think um, look, if they if they had a review this week and they've got some time because they have got the week off, uh, well, the, the, they haven't got the week off, but the week off from refereeing, yeah. Yeah. Um, then they could bring that in next week, right? Anyone that talks to a referee like that, give them a card, set that example. You wouldn't see it the week later.
4: And funnily enough, now they've actually done something, and they have to their credit, they have done something about you know delays. They use it, it's getting getting, you know, they're actually using it properly, now, aren't they? They're getting away much quicker, as we said they would do yep. and could do, so it proves it works. Now they've just got to sort out these interminable you know, committee meetings before every line-out. That's not in the book. Everyone's taking an age to get there. There's no reason why they have to do that.
1: Well, and also, you spent half your week doing as many lines. You know exactly what's going on. Exactly. You know Why do you need to have a, have a mother's meeting before each one?
4: Quite right. So there you are, officials. You've done one thing. <laughs> Let's do the other two things. Let's get on with it. Sorry, that's all we have time for. This week on Brian Moore's Full Contact with the Telegraph, thank you to my co-host Tom May. Tom, good luck in your charity run. I don't envy you in the slightest. <laughs> uh, I'll be back every Monday evening during the Six Nations from all the usual places you get your podcast from. If you enjoy this episode or any of our previous episodes, please do subscribe and we'll catch you next week. For now, it's goodbye. K-Cast anbefaler.
0: Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler, og for mig sidder Roald Bergmannen. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi er skidetræt af alle de der podcast, og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det, jeg ved det ikke rigtigt. Det finder vi af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lytte til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjovt og med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmakle.